0: We're so glad that you joined us today for this podcast from Bishop Quentin Moore and the Father's House in Hutchinson, Kansas. God loves you and wants the best for you, and we want to hear what God is doing in your life. Share your story with us by sending an email to mystory@fathershouse.net. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at fathershouse.net slash give. Just select the option that works for you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message.
1: Amen. Can I preach? I think there's a battle going on in the world today for our heart. he give you the desires of your heart, right? I think there's a war going on within many people, and particularly in America. Uh, I think there's a lot of wounded, uh, oppressed, uh, grieved people. Uh, we all know that our hearts can be happy and sad and grieved and over run and distraught. And I I really, when I look around, I understand the enemy wants our hearts to fail for fear, is what Jesus said. The enemy wants to steal that passion that's deep down. And I'm not talking about that thing that pumps. I'm talking about our center, our soul, what makes us us, what makes us human, and what the heart of man. That's why Paul writes, don't lose it. Don't let go of it. Don't be grieved in it. Uh, Don't let your heart be troubled. I mean, we we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, right? And so guard your heart, for out of it come all of life. To understand that Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Isaiah all said, God's going to give you a new heart, a new spirit. That Jesus comes and quotes Isaiah and said, I'm going to heal the brokenhearted. That God's trying to restore that center of who we are, our living soul, our life-giving spirit, what makes us tick, if you will. that, That this thing we call Christianity is about the heart of humanity. It's about the centerpiece. And we can keep trying to fix our culture and we keep trying to fix people from the outside in. But the truth of the matter is God wants to heal our hearts. He wants to restore that heart of passion, that reality of who we are. I mean, the wisest man in the Bible, when he was given carte blanche for anything he wanted, whatever you want, Solomon, I'll give it to you. And he said, God, give me a heart that understands. Give me a heart that can hear you. I can't trust my own heart. I I can't lean to my own understanding. So God, give me a heart. That's why David said, create in me a clean heart. Restore a right spirit to me. Because it is possible to lose your heart, right? To have your heart stolen and crushed and and depressed, and and it said, "A hope deferred will make your heart sick." And Christianity should be restoring the heart of humanity. You you, you should hear the gospel this morning in some way, uh, have the Lord touch you in some way, and your heart leap for joy. There there should be this. Oh well, it should be. And and, and so this morning, I, I want to talk to us about what it is that causes us to lose heart and how we might restore our heart and not let it be as troubled by the things that we hear and and what Christ does to do that. And in the opening Psalm, Psalm 37 that that we read this morning, there's this great verbiage there if you catch it. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. Actually, it says, trust not, and then it says, delight So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your understanding. Delight yourself in the Lord. The two steps and the processes of beginning and living in relationship with someone is to trust them. That you can't begin a relationship without trust. And if the trust ends, the relationship is over. Right? I mean, if there's trust issues between you and your spouse, you've got a problem. And he says, trust in the Lord. Don't trust in yourself. But trust in God. Delight. Touch your neighbor. Say, delight. I wish you'd all become children. I mean, I, I, I know this bothers some of you, but can I tell you, they're having a ball. They don't know why they're having a ball. Some of them are knocking each other down. Never mind. Some of them are playing Ninja Turtles. They are. Yeah, and we need to teach them respect. What? Because when I grow up, I'm going to live naked in a garden somewhere. I was born in paradise. I was born not to worry about a thing. I was born to just bounce off the grass. There were no stickers where I was born. You didn't get it. To respect God is to live happy. You want to respect God? Be happy. You want to respect God? He said, in my presence, there's joy unspeakable. In my presence, you're always having pleasant times. I don't think sitting in his presence we're going to be stoic. I don't really think so. I think one of the greatest shows of respect is when your children feel at ease to play, to have fun. Uh, So, that's not... But delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. See, a desire accomplished is sweet to the soul, the Bible says. You were born with desire. You've just been trying to hide them or satisfy them by buying something or drinking. or Never mind smoking or eating. See, we all have desires and this world plays on that to try to sell you something else. But the truth of the matter is, is we were created with these desires and without a desire, we would never have landed on the moon. If without a desire, we would never have an iPhone. Without a desire, we would never have climbed Mount Everest. We would never have discovered America. I mean, the world was flat. As far as we understood, if you went too far that way, you fell off the end and I don't know, splat. But you, and there's a lot of people that are so afraid today that they still think the world's flat. There's idiots on, on, on the internet that you think is gospel, and they think the world is flat. You do understand that desire drives us to discover things we've yet to know. Desire pushes our concepts of what we think is real. Desire moves beyond our comfort zone, and it's only there that we discover. I mean, I mean, if you really know you were born in paradise, you won't be happy until you get back. Yeah. To know that there's something beyond, and that, that that desire is a good thing, and that desire speaks to who you are. And I'm not talking about your fleshly desires, but I'm talking about that spiritual heart, that hunger, that crave that you know needs satisfied. And see, Christianity is not for the satisfied, but it's for the hungry and the thirsty that understand that there's more. And so to scratch that a little bit, and to understand that God has come, because our hearts are broken and sick because we've tried to fill it with other things rather than the thing that we need to fill. Notice how quiet he gets here.
0: Because it is
1: only that desire that He can fill. And this enemy that's trying to destroy that and rob us of that reality by, by, by telling us that we have to wait until we die. That, oh my God, you know, and, and that Christianity is all about the afterlife. And listen, I, I'm afterlife, that's true. And, and I love heaven and yes, I'm going and all of that. But, but come on. Spanky, when you asked her to marry you, did you put a ring on her finger and then say, I love you, dear, and in retirement I'll take care of you? Now that's absurd. That's absurd to, to say, I want to be your husband, I want to, I want to take care of you, and and take care of yourself for about 90 years, and then now that's nuts. Now, there is no woman in this room that's going to get married to you if that's what's going to happen, and yet that's what we put on God. We act like God, we got saved, but now we're going to take care of ourselves, trust in ourselves, satisfy ourselves. We're going to look out after ourselves. It's number one. And then when we die, could I tell you that doesn't make any sense? And yet we've been peddling that as theology for a long, long, long time. I want you to understand that if God chooses you as His, then everything that He is and has is yours now. And that, that but our minds and our hearts get sick because we've been peddled something that just. Now I understand. Uh, desire can be misused. Adam and Eve, they misused it, didn't they? I mean, come on. Everybody in here is a scholar of Adam and Eve, right? We all. I mean, unbelievers know about Adam and Eve. They ate, I mean, everybody can get through a couple chapters. You, you didn't get what I'm after. Everybody reads Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Everybody gets through the first. It's not bad. And it's in there where Adam and Eve have desire, and they decide they'll satisfy their own desire themselves, that instead of trusting God to meet their needs, they'll go trust in themselves to get their own You do understand this whole mess started because men and women won't trust God. They want to trust themselves. And so they'll go get something for themselves that can only be received by grace. I wonder how many of us today are trusting in ourselves to take care of ourselves and provide. Well, yeah, but that's what we're saying. Trust in the Lord. Lean not to thine own understanding. Uh, See, to, to understand that we can distrust our way out of a relationship. That because of what Bubba did, I ain't trusting Jojo. Or because what I see on the television, I ain't trusting. Trust is the essence of relationship. And, and, and if you have trouble with that, you need to be healed in your heart. You, you, you need God to heal that area. And, and there's so many things in our subconscious reality that, that we need to face and understand that there's still this desire that we're looking for. I love Bono. That we still haven't found it. In fact, if we've settled the fatal error, the fatal error of Christianity is that they've satisfied for this. Rather than remaining hungry and understanding that God wants to... Re- oh, come on, we're from Kansas. The tin man wanted a what? heart. The lion wanted a brain. The tin man wanted a heart. <laughs> Come on, the tin man wanted a... Everybody wants their heart back, right? Yeah, lions need a brain, but that's not this sermon. <laughs> so here we are, these guys. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they, they, they talk about how Jesus was walking by Upon and called them. But John puts these disciples as following John the Baptist. Who are these guys? These guys that are following after John the Baptist. I mean, they've, they've been following. That's a good thing, right? I mean, if, you're, if, if, if it's 38, whatever, and, and, and John, that's better than following Pharaoh and Herod. Follow, I mean, they're good Methodists. They're good Baptists. They're good Pentecostals. They're good, you name it, whatever. They're good. I mean, that's right. They're following John the Baptist. That's a good thing. And then all of a sudden, John steps up and goes, the Lamb of God. You do understand that if a denomination is worth anything, it's pointing to something other than itself. In fact, when they start talking more about their founder than they do about the one on the cross, you're in trouble. John the Baptist is a great prophet. He points out the Son of God. And and what's interesting to me is that they just, okay, and they start following Jesus. I mean, there's like, and they follow him, and, and then there's these little words, and the last time we heard from Jesus, he was 12 or 13. It was his bar mitzvah. I mean, he said, I must be about my father's business. These are the first words for 20 years. These are literally the first words of the ministry of Jesus Christ. What do you want? Have you ever looked at a kid? Now what do you want? Come on, you've got to hear this. I mean, have you ever had a kid in your... I, th- I think you can see the Son of God going, what are you after? Are you, are you feeling me yet? The first thing Jesus says to any of his disciples is, "Uh uh-huh, what do you want? That's poignant. I mean, really? That's that's poignant. What do you desire? What do you desire? Do you know what you want? Do you understand you have a need? Do, Do you understand that everything you've been doing and trying to get has not satisfied you yet? Why are you looking? I mean, this is, and again, this is the God. Of, this is Cart Blunt. You ask anything, and they ask him. They think he's TripAdvisor. Where are you staying? How's the hotel? Is, are the sheets clean? They ask him where he's staying. I mean, this is the most ludicrous conversation for God to open with. Right, you, you, didn't get, you don't see how funny this is. What do you want? Uh well you got room in the room? Are you here? Where are you staying? It, it's just it just seriously. Couldn't isn't there something else that you need? But this Jesus who in a few years is going to say, you're my friend. Have you ever met anybody and you instantly knew there was a connection? I got to tell you, every friend I have, I instantly knew that we were connected. Instantly. This whole idea that I'm going to talk you into a relationship with Jesus is absurd. Because if you ever meet Jesus, I promise you, in your heart, you know you found something. I, I, I promise you in this room, if you're trying to debate with me rashly, my doctrine may be messed up. But if you see anything in me, it's Jesus that's good. Are you listening to me? Salvation doesn't come through a rational understanding. Salvation comes because you bumped into somebody on the road and you went, oh, that's right. oh, you're not here. If you're waiting for me to argue doctrine with you, it ain't happening because I'm telling you, you ever bump into the God that loves you unconditionally, you'll instantly go, I, I, uh, 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 Where are you staying? <laughs> oh, if you ever find that thing you're looking for, and all of a sudden your heart is filled with this knowledge that this is it, you'll all go, Where are where, where you going? Are you understanding me? If everything from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet is fully satisfied, it's a Kodak moment. I mean, it's holy bliss. And you go, where where are we going? Mm -hmm. Now, the collision between stories where Jesus calls them out of a boat or whether they follow him, I think it's both. I think he called them out of a boat, but they were looking for a reason to get out of the boat. If you're looking for a reason to get out of the heart sickness that you're in, let me tell you about Jesus who comes to, oh my God, whatever you've been looking for, whatever you've been giving to yourself from Monday to Saturday, let me tell you, nothing will satisfy it. You've got to meet this one whose first question is,
0: what do you want?
1: Comes to stir up those desires to make you realize that you ain't got that you, you, whatever you've been trusting to get for yourself, it ain't, it ain't working. <laughs> and the first thing Andrew did was to go find his brother Simon Barjona and tell him, we have found what we've been looking for. Pastor, I think we need to do a class on evangelism. <laughs> no, you just need saved. <laughs> yeah, but pastor, you got to equip me. No, if you have to be equipped, you ain't got it. I'm telling you the first thing Andrew did. He said, we have found the Christ, the Messiah, the one that satisfies every hunger, the one that breaks every yoke, the promised one of God. We have found the thing, the one, the one. We, Pete, we, we have found it. He didn't need four steps as to how to lead someone to Jesus. He just said, listen, you need what I got. You need to hear me this morning. This little 12-year-old boy from Severy, Kansas, knows what it is that will satisfy your life. It's Jesus. Nothing but Jesus. Not a Baptist Jesus, a Methodist Jesus, a Pentecostal Jesus, but just the Jesus that shows up in Galilee and looks at a broken-down fisherman. What do you want? That's the question. What do you want? He goes and gets Pete. Pete comes in. Pete doesn't say a thing. He, Pete just walks in. Now, you've got to remember, Simon Barjona, Simon of John, A loudmouth fisherman. He's not very cool. He's really, he's going to deny he ever met the man. I mean, in three and a half years, he's going to go, I don't know him. Seriously, three and a half years, he's going to pretend. But he walks into the presence of the Christ, and the Christ goes, you're Peter. I know who you are. Can I tell you something? You're trying to figure out who Jesus is, and Jesus knows who you are. You've been looking to find your identity. You've been looking to find yourself, and the only person that can tell you who you really are is Jesus. And the first thing he says to Pete is, I know you, buddy. And you've been shifty-shifty. You've been Simon-Simon. You've been rock-sand, sand-moving. Nothing's been stable in your life. But now that you know me, you are solid as a rock. You'll never be shifty, shifty again. I'll call you into your real identity. I'll call you out of that fake poser that you've been putting on. I'll call you out of that, and I'll give you who you really are. Do you understand that coming into the presence of God, you'll discover who you really are, not who you've been pretending to be? That's where this relationship starts. It begins right there. I mean, it... (laughs) You're not who other people say you are. You're not even your performance and my evaluation of it. You are who I created you to be, Peter. You're going to be the solid rock. Man, somebody here I'd be going. It'll take him three and a half years and a failure or two to realize who Jesus is, but Jesus knew he, who he was from the beginning. Told Jeremiah, I formed you in the womb. I know who you are. All that stuff we've been trying to put in our life is we've been trying to figure out who we are. And the truth of the matter is, only God can tell you. And that'll satisfy your soul. This this group of people, you need to understand, they're all about 30. And they've been waiting for a rabbi to choose them. See, at 5, you memorize the Torah. At 13, you could quote the scriptures. And about 14 or 15, after the bar mitzvah, rabbis began to choose who their students were going to be. And and these guys didn't get chosen. Nobody picked them. They were just fisher boys from Galilee. They had an accent. They weren't good enough to go into the temple. They they were leftovers. They were nobodies. They, They weren't good enough to go and now they're they're 30 and 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 they're disappointed and their desire is gone and their heart is broken because all they can do is just do this so they've been looking for something more than this there has to be more to life than this because nobody else wanted us and Jesus said I choose you I want you man can you no wonder they left everything somebody wants me and not only does he want me, but he already knows I'm Simon Barjona. He already knows I come with baggage. He not only wants me, but he wants me in the just as I am. Man, if I had it, I'd show it to you with Mr. Rogers going, I love you just the way you are. Good God. Jesus going, I'll take you, Pete. I'll take you, Andrew. James and John. Bob and Henry and... I'll take you. Man, can you, do you see what that does to your heart? Drop everything. Just start following because nobody else wanted him, but he wanted him. And he's really saying, you got what it takes. And see, if a rabbi chooses you, the rabbi's saying, you're going to be able to do what I do. I'm going to mentor you. And everything I am, you're going to become. I'm going to be your Elijah and you're going to be my Elisha. You're going to do more than I ever did. If you get picked by a rabbi, it means that whatever is on him is going to come on you, and you ain't nobody anymore. You're somebody. And that desire in your heart begins to burn. Are you you listening to me? The fatal error of humanity is to pretend that we really have already got. Hmm. Jesus shows up on planet Earth, and he pokes at that. pokes at it. I'll, uh, listen do, do you guys know bruce miller he'll poke you he'll he'll get in there and he'll needle some of you are going mhm some of you are going i want to meet him yeah he'll poke at you 38 years you've been laying here do you really want to be made well he'll poke at you do you like putting up with that misery and that self-pity and that do you like rehearsing that trauma? Do you just want to have your identity wrapped up in the you know, poke? Do you want out of that? Are you, have you abandoned the desire to be more than you are? Have you, have you lost? See, he, he, he invites us to get in touch with what we really, really need. The two blind men sitting by a road and they cry out to him. He goes, what do you want? I mean, he'll poke at that. Isn't it obvious? This is what I want. He'll, 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 he'll make you ask. He'll make you mouth it. He'll make you, I mean, provocative ask and you'll receive knock and it'll be opened. I mean, he, he provokes you and says, you have not because you ask whatever you want and I'll do it. He provokes us because he wants you to be honest about what you desire. You don't need a pink Cadillac. You need to know who you are. You don't need a pink Cadillac. You need to be fulfilled in your heart. You need to be healed on the inside. You don't need money. You need Jesus. Am I? I'm preaching better than He'll needle that, and he'll keep needling that. and he'll... Sounds like Isaiah. Come unto me, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters, you who have no money. Come buy and eat and drink. Come buy the wine and milk that is without money. Just ask me if you knew who I was, honey. If you knew. Those five boys you left at home, they ain't ever going to do it. Listen to me, Bubba. That, 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 those, those things you're chasing every Saturday, they ain't never going to do it. Those things you're trying to satisfy that hunger with, they ain't never going to do it. But if you knew, if you only knew, I can satisfy every desire you got. I can fulfill See, I realize you are all caught up in this idea that Jesus has come primarily to get you a ticket to heaven. I understand that's what you've been told. So if you put a ring on a girl's finger and then tell her I'll be back after you're retired. Right? That's nuts, right? Right? That's silly. So the king has a son. The son falls in love with a maiden. The son wants to marry the bride. I want to be the groom, you be the bride. Can I want to marry them, right? The father takes the son, goes out into the fields, and walks up to the young lady and says, listen, my son's in love with you, and he, he wants to marry you. You got the picture? It's, but it's up to you. You choose, yeah. Have you got that? And then as he turns to walk away, he goes, but you only got till Tuesday. And if you don't choose by Tuesday, I'm going to come back and beat the snot out of you. That's the garbage we've been preaching. We've been preaching that if you don't do it now, God's going to somehow get mad and then come back and beat snot out of you. Do you understand how nuts that is? I don't care where you got that theology from. That's nuts. God's not going to then all of a sudden stop loving. Listen, if God is threatening the woman, then it ain't her choice. But do you know how many people are scared to death because of bad theology? Because that's not God. Oh, you're not. I mean, I can feel it scrambling in your head. Because that's all you've heard. Never mind. Moses said, I want to see your glory. I've seen the fire and I've seen the cloud. I've heard everybody's opinions and their messed up theology. I've heard all of that stuff. Can I tell you something? I need to see Jesus. I need to see your un... (sighs) unfiltered glory. I need you to call my name. I need to cut through all the theological mumbo jumble, what Meemaw thought, what Papa thought, what this denomination thought. All I need to do is have you call my name. And I guarantee I ain't worried about what's going to happen well, everybody's arguing about what God's going to do to those that say no, I'm just trying to get you to understand, why would you say no if you really know who he is? That's silly. We've been focused on the wrong stuff rather than manifesting the right stuff, and if we'll quit messing around with an argument that has nothing to do with anything, just show me. Let me, I found him, Pete. Come, let me, sh- you meet him one time. You know why many people turn back? Because we didn't introduce them to Jesus, so we introduced them to our idea of Jesus. We told them about what we thought about Jesus rather than just letting Jesus be Jesus. My job's not to mediate Jesus. My job is just, here, Pete, let me just take you to him. That's my job. Yeah, Yeah, but I don't have time for those arguments. I love Paul's desire. I think Moses was from Missouri. Just show me. But Paul... But Paul is that guy that's never, ever, he he helped Bono write the song. I mean, he's going, I still hadn't found. I have not yet attained. I have not yet arrived. But there's one thing I do. I reach for more. You think I know all this about him, but listen to me. With everything I know, I still have got a... Hmm. Quit telling me what you experienced 30 years ago. I don't care what your history with Jesus is. I want to know if you've touched him today. I want to know if you're still reaching with passion today. I'm tired of hearing about what you had yesterday. I want to know if you're excited about today. Listen, I got up this morning and walked in this place going, "Mm." I wake up every morning and go, wow, look what the Lord has done. Where's that desire? You need to hear me. This is not Pentecostal. This is just a human being who knows the one thing he desires is to know and to be in the presence of God. David, who wrote 75 of the 150 Psalms, who says, my tongue pants for you. My body longs for you. Uh, I have one desire, and in that I am confident. I want to know where you're staying. Did you get it? Andrew just echoed David. I have one desire. That's to be in your presence. What do you want, Andrew? Wherever you're at, I want to be. That's the only answer to the question. What do you want? I want in your presence. That's all I care. I was made for it. It's the only thing I just want to be. That's my desire. That's my hunger. That... If you think you're going to come up here and pray some little prayer and say, okay, blah, 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 forgive me, and go home. No, 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 no no. Heaven's no. This is about, I found it. I found him. Only thing I want, bless the Lord, all my soul and all that is within me. Forget not all of his benefits. Praise the Lord, all my soul who satisfy my desires with good things. He sat David the mess up, the screw up that he was said he satisfies my desires with good things and thus he renews my youth. Can I tell you, a desire satisfied will make you young again. Some of you are old enough, you need to be made young again and it's because God satisfies you. You've been rehearsing what he did there and you're not celebrating what he's doing now, today. And if you'd oh, You'd be young again. Why? Because I'm telling you, the stuff, I appreciate things at 61 that I overlooked at 21. Some of you haven't lived long enough. What you're taking for granted, I cherish. I'm serious. Wisdom would have been wasted on me when I was 16, but yeah, I love it when you sit there like, I ain't saying nothing. I have found a man that's after my heart. His name is David. His desire is made public. He's written 75 songs about him wanting me. He's my king. God's looking for people that have a desire. He's looking for worshipers. He's looking for those people. Fast forward, three and a half years later, 19th chapter of Luke, there's this great story about Zacchaeus. Anybody heard about Zacchaeus? I don't have to read it, right? Zacchaeus is this little short dude, and he's a tax collector. Luke 19, verses 1, and Zacchaeus, he's in Jericho, and he's a tax collector. He's Jewish, but he's figured out how to co-opt the Roman Empire. He's figured out how to live with one foot in this world and one foot in this world. He ain't trusting God. He's trusting his ability to manipulate. He, he's rich. He got everything he needs. He's satisfied. Got a house overlooking. Lives in Jericho, good city. Nice place. Got kids that all got cars. I mean, donkeys, whatever. He And the Jews really don't like him much, but he slips in and out of synagogue and goes into Jerusalem undercover. He, he's... He's got this figured out. He got his world under control. He doesn't need to be radical, but he, he's a short guy, a little guy, tax collector. He's rich. But he hears about Jesus. And it says that he sought to see Jesus. But he's a little guy, short guy, kind of like me. can't see over the crowd. Couldn't see over the crowd. Maybe, maybe some of you are too tall to understand this story, but if you're short and there's a crowd... <laughs> You, right? Front row is amen and me. Can't see over the crowd. Can't see over the theology of every denomination. Can't see over the opinions of people. Can't see over all the people going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't see over them. Can't get around the presuppositions and the prejudices and the preferences as they were handed to when they were children. Can't get over the trauma. Can't see past it. Can't can't get he's a short guy. He can't get over the spin. If I have to go back and explain everything to you, this is going to take all afternoon. So now I can stop and explain spin. Never mind. Can't get over the spin of the culture. Can't see what's really going on. Is caught in the crowd. Can I tell you the same crowd that shouts Hosanna is the same crowd tomorrow that'll shout Crucify? You better get out of the crowd. You better get out of that herd mentality. Who's got the rating? How many? You better get out of polls. Too close? Can't see. Short. Don't understand. I have people write me letters all the time and say, why don't you finish sentences? (laughs) I type back. You got a brain? (laughs) Ask the lion. He'll share. Uh, (laughs) Oh, that'll take a moment. Uh, Can't see. The Bible says, so he ran ahead. Say it with me. Outrun him. Do you know you can get ahead of the mob? You you can get out of that herd. You can get out of that limiting theology. You can get out of that negative atmosphere that you've been living in. You can get out of that self-pity. You can break out. You can run ahead. Zacchaeus ran ahead. Even short guys. this is funny. I don't care who you are. And, and he got higher. He climbed a tree. Sometimes you just need to get a little higher so that you can see a little further so that you can get over whatever the crowd is doing. Some of you need to get out of the crowd and get a higher look and look a little differently. You need a new perspective. You need a new persuasion. You need to think differently. You need to quit trusting in your own understanding and maybe get above that and see Jesus from a little Am I making any Am I I... I mean, your desire will make you do stuff that you normally wouldn't do. Your desire will make you run and climb, crawl, shout, have mercy. It'll make you go public with your hidden desire. Your desire for Jesus will make you go public. Yeah, but it's in my heart. I know. Until what's in your heart goes public... It'll stay locked up in your heart. You've got to trust him enough to let the desire go public. Can I tell you something? When you go public with your desire, your desire will make him go public with you. Pete came walking in. Zacchaeus climbed a tree. She crawled through the crowd. Bartimaeus lifted his voice. He'll respond to your public display of affection. He'll respond to your public display of desire. He'll respond when you are willing to say, I haven't been able to satisfy this, but I'm taking a look. And Jesus looked up, and he saw Zacchaeus. Listen to the language. The language. Everything's in the language. He uses words and creates. He uses words. Listen to the language. Today, Zacchaeus. I'm staying at your house now come on I've done a good job in the beginning what do you want where are you staying at the end of it with you that's the gospel that's good news we we need a few people that will run out of the crowd and climb a tree don't you What am I trying to do this morning? I'm trying to get you to run out of that crowd. I'm trying to get you to sprint ahead, climb a tree, get another position, go public with your hunger, quit telling yourself that you got everything you need because you don't. But Jesus is passing by you. He's right there. Just, you do know that's what Easter and Lent are all about. You may have been silent for 11 months, but break the silence. Listen to me. Listen to me. Mark, Stephanie just gave me a book and I was reading through it and it's, I've read. But can I tell you something? Why do they sing so long without their church? We go to the first service because they just sing too long. Now listen, I love people in first service. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I love the people in the first service. I'm not, I'm just saying, I have trouble climbing a tree so I raise my arms. I have trouble crawling through the dust, so I shout a little bit. I, 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 listen, some of you could could break the silence a little bit and lift your voice a little bit and say, oh, praise the name of God. I think I'll make a joyful note. Some of you could break out of that stale thing that you call worship. Hmm. Yeah, I think I'll go back to that crowd. Go right ahead, baby. Because you've walked into somebody that's way too young to get silent. Wished I could have your passion. So do I. It's easier to preach when someone's shouting back. I mean, it really is. You need a match. Never mind. It's, this is me serving and you serving back. I can't stand going and listening to a monologue. Then don't. Talk back. I'll key off of you. Listen, I can move. Just you. I'm doing it now. (laughs) Yeah, well. (sighs) Touch your neighbor and say, we need to go climbing this afternoon. It's a funny thing. I never have to tell Hampton to climb a tree. If I leave the ladder up on the back of the house, the boy is on the rope. I don't know what I'm going to do when he gets big enough to put... He and Zeke were trying to pick it up the other day. I'm thinking, I'm going to have a lock. It's an interesting thing about children. You don't have to tell them to delight. You don't have to tell them to run ahead. You don't have to tell them to climb a tree. All you got to do is just go, and a child is there. And if you become like children and just begin to... Oh, well, am I doing okay? Am I just wasting your time because you're wanting to get to Chili's? I'm sorry. Johnny called me and told me to keep you an extra 15 minutes because all the Baptists have showed up and she needs you to. That will come back to haunt me. I need to get a bigger clock, or I got to wear glasses. (laughs) Why'd you preach long? Oh, I thought it said (laughs) ten. I mean, it's this big. Don't blame me. Blame Lucas. (laughs) Adam and Eve misread their desire. Are you listening? Adam and Eve misunderstood their desire. They misinterpreted their desire. They, they tried to trust in themselves to satisfy that desire. Are you here? And when they did, it was bad. You and I are still battling the temptation to trust our desire that we can meet it. Right? They, they, they wanted what? What did they want? They wanted to be like God. What was it that the apple of what? Now, this is your time to talk back. The, of what? They wanted to know what was right and wrong, didn't they? Adam and Eve, the couple that messed this up, they didn't trust God to deal with right or wrong. They wanted to know right or wrong for themselves. They wanted to judge for themselves. They wanted to evaluate for themselves. They wanted to be the ruler of themselves. They wanted to determine what was right or what was wrong, who went to heaven, who went to hell, who was good, who was bad, who was right, who was wrong, who was in, who was out. They wanted to judge. guess who got judged first? My God, we're naked. Their hearts were broken. We're headed to Easter. And the judge himself became the one who was judged. Can I tell you his judgment? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. All of you that are waiting for God to come and beat up bad people. All of you that are coming to wait and see who he separates in and out. All of you that are evaluating other people. You're judging other people. Listen, I have no desire to judge other people. None. More than none. My my desire is to trust in his judgment. I'm going to trust in his grace. I'm going to trust in his love, Dale. I'm Peter. I'm probably too loud-mouthed. I'm a broken-up fisherman. I'm Zacchaeus. I'm the tax collector that has... I'm the woman with the issue of blood. I'm the blind Bartimaeus. I don't deserve it, but he chose me. I'm going to trust in his judgment of my life. I'm going to trust him. I'm not going to try it. Am I making any sense? Why Easter? Because at Easter a man decided to trust the Father's judgment. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Don't lean into what you think is, no, 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 stay out of that. That's what Easter does. Backs me back up in. I'll just trust in him. Yeah, yeah, but, but uh, no but. Am I making, did, did you do, did I do okay? Did you get it? I mean, you know, if you're a tax collector, you really, I mean, think about it. You're a Jew who has sold out to the Romans and you're cheating God's people out of money. The last thing you want to do is go public. The last thing you want to do is go, hey, Jesus, look over here. Seriously. But can I tell you something? You all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the best thing you can do is go, look over here and trust his judgment. That's where life is. Margaret, you stood on the chair. Ain't the first time. Stand with me this morning.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Father's House. We hope you stay connected by following us online at fathershouse.net. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using TFHHutch.